while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. Because every little girl watching tonight sees that this is a country of possibilities. And to the children of our country, regardless of your gender, our country has sent you a clear message. Dream with ambition, lead with conviction, and see yourselves in a way that others may not, simply because they've never seen it before. But know that we will applaud you every step of the way. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy, those inspiring words from Vice President Kamala Harris celebrating her status as the first woman, first black, and first Asian American vice president are important to think about as we celebrate Black History Month and prepare for the nomination of the first black woman to the Supreme Court. But even as we celebrate the breakthroughs, we also must take time to reflect on the legacy of marginalization before them, which made them so profound. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, February 8th. As we pivot from the celebration at the end of the 2020 election cycle, let's instead consider the growing focus on the 2022 midterms, and also some of the continued divisions in the Republican Party that have been playing out in public this last week. But first, let's talk about the midterms. These are increasingly the focus of many who are talking about democracy and focused on our future. We're seeing a lot of conversation around what's happening as the redistricting race is winding down, but there are still big court cases that remain. Primaries are really gearing up. There's lots of questions about Biden's impact on the midterms. And let's start there. What a lot of people are wondering is, is this a moment for a Biden reset? You know, you've got a number of indicators that say, that show that this might be a moment for the Biden administration and particularly his popularity numbers to rebound. You've got the heightened threat from Russia's potential invasion of Ukraine, which is moving attention on the foreign policy front from the mishandled withdrawal from Afghanistan to a new threat. How this plays out, how the U.S. is seen in this context, and how Biden and his senior leaders are seen in the negotiations and diplomacy with Russia, in the relationships with the European Union, and if it comes to any military conflict, will have a huge impact on the dynamics of the midterms. There's often what we call a rally around the crowd effect when the United States is involved in military conflict. And if that happens again, you could see a surge in popularity for the Biden administration if we become involved in a war or in a military conflict in Ukraine. A second possibility and a moment for a Biden reset is the unexpected opening on the Supreme Court. Biden has now committed again publicly that he will be nominating a black woman to the court, and some Republicans are already coming out with racist and sexist attacks on the nomination before someone has even been selected. While McConnell is reportedly trying to tamp down on the Republican caucus's focus on the Supreme Court nomination because Democrats have the votes to be able to pass it, if it becomes a bitter battle, especially if it becomes a battle tinged with racist or sexist overtones, as seems to be likely. It may end up being both a boon for Democrats in mobilizing their base and driving a wedge between potential moderates who are unsure which way they're going to vote. 
And finally, Biden, of course, has been suffering from bad news from Omicron spread and weak December job numbers. But now may seems popularity start to bounce back, both as Omicron is receding, although who knows how the COVID pandemic is going to continue to play out, and as January's job numbers came in well above everyone's expectations. And not only did January look better in the jobs report, and January numbers are always weird for a number of start-of-the-year calendar issues, but the Labor Department also more than doubled its tabulation of job gains in November and December. Going back through late incoming data, this is a common practice where they update up or down previous months. The uh, U.S. economy actually added 647,000 jobs in, December, in November, not the 249 that had been earlier estimated. And they added 510,000 jobs in December, not the 199,000 initially forecast. So basically what that means, 700,000 more jobs were ended in the end of last year than were previously estimated. So this is actually a big boon and it may help shift the narrative about our economy, which would give Biden administration a boost and therefore all of the Republicans running against Biden on the economy having a harder time and potentially lifting the prospects for Senate and congressional and state candidates on the Democratic side. Another big dynamic of the midterm, of course, is redistricting, and this continues to play out. We saw a couple of big developments in this last week. Probably the biggest, the North Carolina State Supreme Court, as many were expecting, struck down the state's GOP-drawn congressional map. They deemed it an illegal partisan gerrymander, noting that in the North Carolina state constitution, there is a requirement for partisan fairness. So now back to the drawing board for the North Carolina maps. This could see a more fair map being drawn and opportunities for Democrats to have more competitive chances in that state. On the flip side, New York passed the most aggressive Democratic gerrymander in the entire country uh, so far this cycle. And there are now a suit has been filed by New York Republicans who are suing, saying that that map is illegal. However, New York does not have the same level of protections in its state constitution. So how the courts will rule in New York remains to be seen. And then a last and you know important kind of case development was that the Supreme Court has actually ruled against Alabama. They have stayed the decision of the Federal Circuit Court about creating a second majority black district in Alabama. They haven't ruled against it, but they've said they're not going to enforce that decision. So the 2022 elections will happen with the current map, which gives only one Democratic-leaning seat, one Black majority seat in the state of Alabama. Now, Louisiana Republicans shot down efforts to create a second majority Black district in their state on Friday. That could also be appealed to the Supreme Court. Very similar uh, demographics as Alabama, but with the Alabama ruling by SCOTUS, it's now making you know advocates in Louisiana a little bit more nervous as well. So these focus you know down to which way will a Voting Rights Act case go, which way will state constitutional cases go, have huge impacts on the dynamics of these individual cases. And if you're wondering why the hyper intense focus on redistricting, why the hyper intense tracking of like what happens with one Alabama seat. It's both because we have a narrow, very narrow margin. If you're listening to this podcast, you of course know it. Narrow margin in the House overall. But it's also because we're poised to see the most narrow map of competitive seats in the entire country 
that we've seen in decades. New York Times had a new analysis that just came out saying that mapmakers are on pace to draw fewer than 40 seats out of 435 seats in the House of Representatives. Less than 10% will be considered competitive based on the 2020 presidential election results. In 2012, that was 73. And in 1992, 108 seats were competitive. So from 1992 to 2022, we're going from 108 competitive seats to 40 competitive seats. What this means is both that every competitive seat is even more essential to the balance of power in Congress. And the flip side is it means that partisanship and polarization are here to stay. We're going to see over and over more safe Republican and safe Democratic districts, and especially on the Republican side where they've been able to build more very, very safe districts, pushing the Republican Party to a conservative side because primaries in many places are mattering more than general elections. And in those primaries, last pieces, we look at the midterms, how they're shaping up right now. We won't cover every zigzag of primaries on 10 Minutes in Democracy, but really important to note they're fully underway. And there's the reason that we the focus on primaries, there's no margin for error in the Senate with the 50-50 break. And depending on who wins a primary depends on whether the seat might be competitive or not. Will the far-right Trumpian Republican beat an establishment Republican and then give Democrats a better chance in the general election? Or will a moderate Democrat win a primary and potentially pick up some moderate Republicans? Those are the questions no one has the answer to, but everyone's focused on. And Pennsylvania is a good example where the primaries are now in full gear and you're starting to see some of the developments we expect every primary season. On the Democratic side, Val Arkush ended her Senate campaign a couple of days ago. She has struggled both in polling and fundraising against two frontrunner candidates. So the Democratic primary is narrowing down. It's really a choice between Fetterman and Lamb, it seems, a progressive and a conservative Democrat and big debates about who would have better potential to be elected in the general. And then on the GOP side, actually the state Republican party has decided not to endorse any candidates in either the Senate or the gubernatorial primaries in Pennsylvania. Another example of the kind of divisions within the GOP and two very, very crowded and increasingly vicious primaries on the Republican side in Pennsylvania. The divisions in the Republican party not just playing out in the primaries, but also nationally. And two big things we saw this week that are going to just continue some of these debates we're all tracking. The vice president, uh, former vice president, Mike Pence, came out rebuking Trump for suggesting he had the ability to overturn the election. Speaking down in Florida at the Federalist Society Florida conference, Pence called it un-American to suggest that one person could have decided the outcome of the election. Trump has lashed back at Pence, but you're seeing some divisions coming further out into the public. At the same time, we saw the Republican National Committee at their winter meeting in Salt Lake City formally censured both Liz Cheney and Representative Kinzinger for their engagement with the January 6th investigation. They've been trying to recast that attack and calling it a, quote, legitimate political discourse. Although then they've tried to walk back or reframe even that comment because they're trying to argue they didn't mean the violence at the Capitol, but the rallying and questions about the course of the election. But really unusual to see this level of engagement and the censure over engagement in a political investigation. In particular with Cheney, they're also invoking what's called Rule 11 that will allow them to send money 
to her primary candidate. Very, very rare to see the committee structure, the Republican Party structure, funding against an incumbent during a primary, but that is underway now. And your the last part, not all Republicans buying it. And further fissures, you know, Mitt Romney coming out, reprimanding the party for their decision to censure his fellow members of Congress and praising Cheney and Kinzinger for seeking the truth even when it comes at, quote, great personal cost. So the majority of the Republican Party still very clearly shifting and tying to the big lie and Trumpism real threats to democracy from what that means long term. But you are seeing some pushback. And so a lot of people watching the midterms, will the small but lingering establishment presence in the Republican Party be able to rebuild? Or will the Republican Party go even further down the path towards authoritarianism? Big questions for our democracy as we look to the future. But that's all for this week's review of developments in our democracy. I'm Jason Franklin. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Take care.